0: So we going to get in this word? Amen? Praise God. We're in our series. Put your eyes on the screen. Ten rules. No man has kept except one. The offer to humanity is eternity with him. And this offer is to whosoever. salvation includes eternity, there are benefits to have now, all of which has to be received as a free gift. This and more are all discovered in the gift of salvation. Amen. Amen. Turn me down a little bit. How many of y'all know salvation is the most important thing? And it seems like it's the most misunderstood, underserved, under-talked about, under-preached, under message in the church. But well, we've been in this series for about six or seven weeks, and uh, we're going to be in it for a little while, because I want to make it plain to everybody. What does it mean to have salvation? What does it mean to be saved? What does it mean to be right with God? Father God, we thank you, Lord, right now for this moment. I thank you, Father, for this captive audience, God. Father, we respect this audience. We honor this audience, even those that are watching. Lord, we're not going to waste their time. Lord, we've prepared many years for this one message, and we want to say thank you. I ask you to think through my mind, speak through my lips, God. I ask you to anoint me, anoint this word. Let me preach with power and clarity, God. Father, let this message Change somebody's life. Let it uh, sow a seed or plant a seed in a heart or mind. Uh, let them let it cause people to think another way. In the name of Jesus, we give you all the praise, honor, and glory. We thank you that this message goes forth unchecked, unhindered by any spirit, human or demonic, or witch or anybody or any entity that doesn't want the gospel to go forth. Father, we bind those spirits and we 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 paralyze them. We cause them to not be able to function in this atmosphere. And Lord, we release your Holy Spirit. We thank you for angels that are all around this room, God, that are touching people, that are moving people. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your blood of Jesus. We thank you, Father, for your Holy Spirit, God. We thank you, Father, for your manifest Shekinah glory and presence that's in this room right now. And we give you all the praise, the honor and glory in the name of Jesus. Somebody say amen. Amen. Is there anybody say, I know everything there, needs, there is to know about the Bible? Let me see. Does anybody here say, I can stand and learn something about the Bible? Okay. So you came to do what? Okay. And I came to teach. Amen? So I think if, you, if we keep that relationship, I think it'll be pretty good. Now, I'm going to tell you, there are some things that you may hear today that may be a little different. That maybe, I mean, it's already been a little different. Let's be honest. Somebody say amen. But I want to ask you to keep your mind open and to go back and study the word of God to see if the things that we say are true. Study the word as the Bereans. Now, many people in my little small circle, they call me the salvation expert and in time expert. I don't know if that's true, but I wrote a book back in 2000. And, um, a lot of it I'll preach from today. is called the SAT, the Salvation Accuracy Test. And there's a little test at the beginning that we give. We gave it at the beginning of this series. And, um, and it helps people to discern whether or not they truly are born again. A lot of people go to church and don't really understand God. Did you know that? I had a lot of friends came out to Catholic Church. They never read the Bible at all. They didn't know anything. They went to Mass. They did what the priest said. They were out by 12 o'clock. They could go watch the game. I mean, I didn't know, a lot of people in the Baptist church came through and sung all the songs and clapped all the hands and fell asleep while the preacher was preaching like this. And then when he got to the hoop, uh, I know he's all right. They woke up and started shouting. They didn't know what they were shouting about. So, if you're here today and you really, this, what I'm talking about today, you want more. You want to know more. You, you really want to get into this. And this is a great opportunity for you to understand something that many people don't understand. Um, we got this book. It's called the SAT. We got them in our bookstore. And I'm going to say this. If you don't have the money for it, I'll pay for it because I want you to learn about it. Okay? Is that a good deal? All right. Last week, if you missed last week, where was you at? You should have been here last week because we talked about grace and truth. And uh, this is the tension in the body of Christ uh, in the world trying to understand about God and about Jesus. Is some people like to sacrifice truth for grace. And some people like to sacrifice grace for truth. But we need both of them. Somebody say amen. Amen. Real recently, a lot of things going on in world news, a lot of things going on. Anybody heard about the war in Israel? Now, I'm, I'm really attuned to uh, end-time prophecy, and I, I'm, I'm listening to a lot of the experts. I, too, am saying, hey, man, this is major. What's going on in the Middle East is major, uh, and nothing has gone on like this in a long time. I believe that it is speaking to some prophetic times and the end times and what Jesus said would happen toward the end. Uh, So I wanna I wanna I wanna go there first to set us up for the message today. But in Genesis 6 and 11, well let's let's go let's go Matthew 24, 36 and amplify. It said, Of that exact day or hour, Jesus was saying about his return, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the son, but only the father. Verse 37, it says, but as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the son of man. Do y'all see that? It says as the days of who? Noah, Noah. all right. Now look at Genesis 6 and 11. This was during Noah's time. This was right when um, uh, God had commissioned Noah to build the ark. and, And so these are the days of Noah. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. Do y'all see that? Now, if you really want to study the word of God, you get a blue line Bible or a blue letter Bible, or you get a, a concordance with Hebrew and Greek. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. The New Testament was written in Greek. So if you look up that word, violence, the Hebrew word, uh, and I think I gave that to you guys. Can we put that on the screen? The Hebrew word for violence is, guess what, Hamas. So, Jesus says that when I get ready to come back, it'll be like the days of Noah. We go and read about the days of Noah in the sixth chapter of Genesis. And it said the earth was filled with violence. The word in the Hebrew for violence is Hamas. So. I don't, I don't have time to preach which side of it you should be on and, you know, watching for the Palestinians, the Jews is oppressing everybody. You know, I'm not on that side because um, the Bible already predicted this. But, y'all, all I'm trying to tell you is I think this is the time for people to get real serious about God. What do y'all think? I think it's time for whatever you was unsure about and don't know about, I think it's time for you to find out. Somebody say amen. Amen. So we've been talking about the gift of salvation. And I want you to really open your eyes and mind to what we're talking about today. Last week we talked about grace and truth. It was so good. You got to go back and listen to it. I can't go back into it. But there's a tension, and the reason why churches are changing and People trying to change society is because they want to change truth and they want to use grace as the excuse. Grace is that God loves you. Grace is God forgives everything. Grace is that God will accept you. Grace is that God uh, won't turn you out or turn you away no matter what you've done. How many of y'all have ever heard that? And this is true. He forgives you. But at the same time, the people who, say that grace will do all of that, will also try to change the truth and say, well, that was a sin back then, but it's not a sin now. But here's the thing, and this is what I said last week, yet yeah, if I need grace, but then you take the very reason I need grace from me, then why do I need grace? If I'm not doing nothing wrong, then what do I need forgiveness for? Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. So there's a tension with, with truth and grace. The truth is, I used to be a fornicator. Somebody say amen. Truth is, in college, I did a lot of bad stuff to a lot of young ladies. But the grace was that God forgave me. Somebody say amen. Now, I can't get grace, which is forgiveness, which is what I don't deserve, if I come to God in pride and say, well, there wasn't nothing wrong with what I did, then then, then, then I'm saying I deserve to get into heaven based on what I did because nothing was wrong with what I did. But if I'm going to get grace, i got to say, God, that was wrong. God, I repent. God, I need forgiveness. Yeah. So we don't change the word of God to meet people's lifestyles over here. I'm going to say that again. We don't change. I know people like that. People want that. They want, they want you to change the word. We don't change truth. Come on, to make somebody feel comfortable. Somebody say amen. amen. Somebody get up and say, people, I stop overeating. You know what I'm going to say? Amen. Amen. <laughs> amen. And apparently I've done a lot of overeating. Somebody say amen. amen. I'm on my way down for those of y'all who didn't know me. All right? But, y'all, I'm not going to try to say, nah, overeating is good. Being obese is all right. No, I'm not going to say that. Somebody say amen. Amen. (laughs) Even if I'm actively involved in it, I know what the truth is, and we don't change the truth. Oh, I thought I'd get more amens on that. All right, so listen to this, and this is what Jesus represented. He he represented grace and truth. For the law was given by Moses, John 1.17 said, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. How Jesus handled the woman that was caught in adultery was so perfect. The people with the law said she deserves to be stoned. Jesus said, okay, those of you who without sin cast the first soon. So then they left. So he brought grace and truth. That was grace. She deserved to die, but he didn't allow anybody to kill her that day. That was grace, right? But here's the truth. Jesus looks at the woman and he says, uh, where are your accusers now? She said, I don't have any. He said, go and what? Sin no more. That was the truth. He acknowledged what you did was what? Sin. But I had grace to you. I didn't condemn you. Come on, somebody. And that's the rub in present-day society. I don't know how anybody in present-day modern theology could ever get saved in the first place because most churches master in making everybody feel like they're okay and they ain't did nothing wrong, and, and you're as good as the next man. So why does anybody need Jesus? Why do they need his blood? Why do they need him to die on the cross? Why do they need him to raise from the dead? If we all are right anyway, and, and you're good, and I'm good, and Jesus, God loves you, and God loves me, then what's the whole purpose of all everything anyway? It's because the word of God says, as good as we are, <laughs> all of sin. Somebody say Amen. And come short of the glory of God. Hmm. So now, in this present day, speaking the truth in love, the Bible says in Ephesians 4.15, if you put that on the screen, say, but speaking the truth in love, we should grow up. But most people in our present day call speaking the truth hey, we hate. We used to have a t-shirt in our... And our bookstore said truth, the new hate speech. Anytime you say something is true and somebody disagree, it's hate. You hating them. No, no, it's love. I can speak the truth. I, I, can, I can speak in love. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, if I got a booger in my nose, somebody don't like me, that's why you got a booger in your nose. <laughs> they spoke the truth, but it wasn't in love. But if my mama could catch me, because my mama should do it, she could, Ronnie, come here. You need to get them boogers out. Your you know you're standing up before people. She told me the truth in because she loved me. So today we're going to talk about the truth in love. Is that okay? Amen. Salvation. What does it mean? Oh God. What does it mean to be saved? Salvation, number one, if you're writing, write this down. It's a definite event. Some people like to make it a lifelong quest. In Islam, salvation is a lifelong quest. They never know if they're saved. They never know if they're good or always they're bad. Almost every other religion, you never know. You never know in Hindu whether you get reach nirvana or not. You never know. It's a lifelong quest. You just got to keep on doing it. You don't know if you ever get to the other side or the end of the rainbow and all of that stuff. But in Christianity, with Jesus, with God, the God of the Bible, salvation is a definite event because Jesus called it being born again. How many of y'all alive? Raise your hand. (laughs) Some people still sitting there. If you know you're alive, raise your hand. Is there any question about that? How many of y'all know your birthday? There was a definite event. And I submit to you today, if you cannot speak to a definite event of salvation and being born again, you might not be born again. Salvation is a definite event, and salvation is something you possess because it is a gift. Are y'all following me? Y'all tracking with me? (laughs) Synonyms for salvation. Y'all, if you have to put them up, because a lot of times we conflate terminology in church, and people don't know exactly what we're talking about. Salvation means, number one, to be redeemed, to be born again, to be regenerated, same thing, to be rescued, to be set free, to be justified, to be converted, to be renewed, to be washed clean, to be granted eternal life, to be transformed, to be reconciled, to be made a new creature. Salvation is when you die, you go to heaven. Guaranteed. But you also get to live an abundant life on earth and this is the part that many preachers haven't preached why did Jesus come anybody know why Jesus came let's go to John 10:10 10, 10. he says the thief comes he's talking about the devil some of y'all came from churches that everything that happened was God some people call it Calvinism John Calvin taught this everything that happened Was God plan and God purpose and God does everything, everything that happens, everything. Somebody died as a tragedy. God did it, no. And I always ask people if God is giving everybody cancer and if God is crashing all the planes and if God, you know, even if there's a a weather thing, you know, in our insurance contracts, we got a lot of insurance contracts here at this church. You know, you know, they call those acts acts of God. God sent a hurricane. God sends the tornadoes and ghosts; They're called acts of God. And I, was, I often ask people, my brother, if God doing all that, what the devil doing? He don't do nothing? One time on the insurance claim during Hurricane Harvey, I scratched out acts of God and put acts of Satan. I did. No, Jesus clears it up. He said the thief, the devil, he comes but for to steal, kill, and to destroy But I came that you might just go to heaven. Is that what he said? No. I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So salvation isn't just about going to heaven, although it it, it does give us an interest in the heaven. But look at Luke chapter 4, 18 through 19. Jesus told us what he came to bring and what he came to bring with salvation. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me, gave me power to preach the gospel to the poor. What's the good news to the poor? You don't have to be poor anymore, right? He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, that those that are sick, now the brokenhearted can be healed. He he sent me to preach deliverance to the captive, those that are bound by addictions and all kinds of things, even slavery. Uh, all that you know uh, the people that freed the slaves and you can talk to all these Pan-African brothers all you want to you know the people that freed the slaves in America was Christians you know the people that was promoting the freedom of slaves in this country they were Christian. you know Harriet Tubman uh, uh, that, that did the underground werewolf you know she was anointed she was a spirit filled Holy Ghost uh, praying woman who was a yeah she wasn't a Muslim. She wasn't an atheist. Yeah. So in Christianity, we, we, we're supposed to be setting the captives free. Somebody, I thought I'd get two amens on that. Yeah. Recovering sight to the blind and setting at liberty all that are bruised. The priest year said to the Lord. So there's a whole bunch in the package of salvation. And we've talked about it in uh, weeks before. Salvation is an event like birth. Not knowing if you're born again is, not, is like not knowing if you're dead or alive. But I want to raise a very provocative question today. If I get saved, if I get born again, here's the title of this message. Can I lose it? Can I lose it? If I was saved, if I was a Christian on my way to heaven, is there anything I can do to lose it And still die and go to hell. Well, we're going to talk about that within the next two Sundays. But before I can get there, I got to go here. I found this question of can you lose your salvation quite interesting over the years. Every time I've talked to somebody about it, it's always like this. They knew a person. They had a cousin. They had a friend that they knew was born again and redeemed or something like that. But then, my question is, were they really born again in the first place? So we'll answer this question biblically, theologically, and in keeping with God's character. But first, let's establish the signs of definitely knowing that you're born again. All the people that somebody said were supposedly lost their salvation I often question whether they really born again in the first place? 1 John 2.19 says this. They went out from our number, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had been of us, they would remain remain with us. They withdrew that it might be plain that they're all are not of us. So before we can get into that, this is what I want to ask you. How can I know if I'm saved in the first place. How do you know if you ever got born again? In the book, the SAT that I wrote, we deal with this extensively, I think in chapter five or chapter six, it's a chapter called The Proof. And I'll be teaching from some of that today. Second Corinthians 13 and five says, examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. So Jesus, the Bible is clear on this, that a person can think they're saved and not be saved. A person can think they're okay with God and not be okay with God. Go away from my notes for a minute, y'all. Go to... uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, and the reason we know that this is going to happen, we talked about it in the first chapter of that book, and I really want you to get it. I mean, we got plenty. If you need to get it, you don't have money for it, it's fine. But this is one of the most frightening scriptures in the Bible to me. Because it says, verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Oh, God. Everybody say, Lord, Lord. He said, not all of us who said it. We're entering into the kingdom of heaven. Listen to what he says. But only those who do the will of my Father. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons? They will not perform any miracles. And I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. You notice we're changing what evil is today. We've legalized marijuana. That, doing drugs isn't evil anymore. The psychiatrists and psychologists are bringing back psychotropic drugs. They're giving people LSD and mushrooms. And Did y'all know this? Oh, yeah? So we don't even know what evil is anymore. But Jesus said, I'm gonna tell you to get away from me. So let's get into this. How do I know if I'm really saved? Because there are gonna be some people, according to him, surprised at the end. Be like, gee, what the heck, what, what? The elevator's going down? No, is the wrong way. <laughs> I was a part of the church. I sang on the praise team. <laughs> I gave my money, I, I read my Bible. Jesus, you saw I had the footprints in the sand poster over my bed. I wore a crucifix around my neck. What does it mean to truly be born again? How can I know? He says sometimes people are gonna be surprised. Hmm. The most accurate test of salvation is found in the book of 1 John. If you're very interested in this, you should read the book of 1 John at the end of the Bible close to Revelation. 1 John 5 and 13 says this, that you may know that you have eternal life is right the book was written. And so we'll get the proofs of salvation from the book of 1 John. After many years of evangelizing and making disciples of new converts, and I have hundreds, maybe even thousands of people I've led to Christ personally or through um, pulpit ministry or preaching in the church. We've, had, we've been to churches and hundreds of people have come down to give their life to Christ after we preached, okay? So we've seen over the years, I've been preaching for 30-something years, and we've seen so many people give their lives to Christ, but after making disciples and new converts, my opinion is that, is that at least four of these proofs that we're going to talk about within the first six months, you're going to see them if you're born again. If you don't, you probably need to check your salvation. Number one, are y'all ready? I know that I'm saved. When I no longer, watch this, progress in darkness. Somebody say amen. amen. Listen to First John 1 and 6. It says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from sin. So he's saying this is one of the proofs. One of the proofs that we're saved is that we no longer progress in darkness. Now, y'all, I'm an imperfect man. I mean, I, I mean, my testimony as a Christian is a trip, and uh, and you know, some of you've heard it, and maybe sometime later I'll share it. I, I don't have time. To share it today, but it was up and down, all around. It was a lot of things. I fell. I did a lot of stuff that wasn't right. Now, when we talk about not progressing in darkness, sometimes people think our brand of Christianity, what we preach over here, that we're saying you got to be sinless. We're not saying that. We're saying when you come into the body of Christ, when you truly get born again on that moment, on that day, whenever it was. Then you start slowly progressing out of darkness. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So you can walk away from darkness or you can walk toward darkness. Now we saw this when we flew, um, I think we, we flew to Hawaii. You know, it's in a totally different time zone. And we saw that we were flying in darkness. I think we left that night. We flew out of darkness and then as we continued to fly we flew into sunlight right we weren't totally in the sunlight at, at a moment and we weren't totally in the darkness but after we reached a certain point and the time zone switched or whatever we started noticing we were it was getting more and more light and this is the progress that you should have at the point of salvation Now, a lot of these grace people, and they are motivated by alternative lifestyle, especially in this time, they want to tell you, no, God loves you as you are, and there's not going to be any change, and you can just walk that way and be a Christian. But the Bible says, no, that if you get saved... That at the moment of salvation, because there's a word called repentance that's missing in a lot of preaching and a lot of churches today. Y'all, repentance means that I'm walking this way, and if I repent, what do I do, mama? I turn around. I can't keep walking. So, y'all, this is the thing. Y'all, y'all ever seen the Jenny Craig commercial? Have y'all ever seen a Jenny If you ever saw one, let me see him. All right. Don't, do they do before after picture? How many of y'all ever seen a before after picture? Somebody that was fat and then somebody that lost weight. Did, have y'all ever seen that? Now, I like on YouTube, because it's really encouraging to me, inspirational, you all there Boy, when, it, when, I, mama, when I get tired of eating that grass, because like they got me on eating grass, just raw grass, can't eat nothing else but grass. And, uh, and I go there and look at some of the videos. Now, them videos don't just have a before after picture, right, what does the video show? They show transformation progression. Is that true? Now, ain't no way Jenny Craig can sell Jenny Craig products showing somebody that was 100 pounds overweight two months before they did Jenny Craig, six months after Jenny Craig, they still the same weight. Who is buying that? Nobody. That means it didn't work. I can't hear nobody. That means it didn't work. Do you lose 100 pounds in a day? No, but what begins to happen is once you repent, you start progressing. So I wouldn't say, no, you're not going to be sinless, but you should, you should start doing what? sin and what? A little less. And you keep on walking. Somebody say amen. Do y'all know what the destination is? Anybody know? To look and live just like Jesus. That's the whole goal of Christianity. Not for us to get saved and God good with us and we can just keep on doing whatever we want to do. No, the Bible says that here's how we know that we know him is because uh, we have fellowship with him is because um, we don't continue to walk in darkness. This is what he says. If we say we know him and walk in darkness, we lie. We don't know the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with him in the blood of Jesus. So it's proof that we got born again. Now, I do have a disclaimer here for the babies. Where's Curtis at? Curtis over there? Who just got saved within the last year? I mean, he really got baptized, saved. Anybody else in here? I was thinking about you, Curtis. Yeah, there you go. It's a couple other people. Now, with the babes, y'all, it's going to be different. Like, if you're living a filthy, sinful life, and you get born again today, I'm talking about you doing... Y'all, I know some people, they're they, they alcoholics, they drug addicts, they they, sex workers, they doing all kinds of stuff. If they get saved today, all of this is going to drop off tomorrow? No. They're baby Christians. If they truly get born again, they become baby Christians. And this is where... The grace message is for There's a whole lot of grace for baby Christians. Do you understand what I'm saying? A lot more grace for baby Christians than there should be for a pastor. I can't hear nobody. See, pastors sleep with their members, sleep with the men and the women and the boys and girls, and then they come out and say, well, we just human just like you. No, 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 no. No, there's a higher standard. Amen. And the Bible teaches that. And one reason is because we ought to be a little more mature. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. So a baby, Janie, you, you remember, where's your son? Where's Ronnie? Ronnie, you back there? You remember you Ronnie? Remember huh? Well, let's see. The niece is over here. Got Jared. Hmm? How many times have you changed Nisa's diaper? Did her diaper ever stink? Nisa. Have you changed her diaper in the last year? <laughs> Two years. No. Do you help her bathe? No. Because no. she's 20. How old are you? 22. Somebody asked me. I, I can't could, I remember. 22. So she's 22 years old. You don't do that stuff no more. But back then, when she used to use the bathroom herself, did you slap her around? Did you put her in time out? No. That's great. So the Bible says we're born again. Everybody say born again. Amen. So the baby disclaimer is we believe, y'all, y'all know the Bible teaches that all babies go to heaven. Did y'all know that? I can't hear nobody. I can't hear nobody. Let's prove this. This is going to be a little rabbit trail, but it's going to teach you something, too. How do we know that babies go to heaven? Is there a scripture for this? Yeah, let's go over to 2 Samuel 12 and 2. Two scriptures I'm going to show you. Are you learning something today? I hope you are. 2 Samuel 12 and 2, he said, While the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. This is David praying for his son who died. He said, while the child was still alive, I fasted and went. For I said, who knows? The Lord may be gracious to me that the child may live. But now that he has died, why should I fast any longer? Can I bring him back? No, I will go to him. He will not return to me. And this is David saying, I'm going to heaven so I know my, my child will be in heaven. And he believed that babies went to heaven. But Luke, this is what Jesus said, Luke 18 15 through 16, he said, and they were bringing even their babies to Jesus so that he could touch them, and the disciples saw it, uh, and they began rebuking them, like, get them babies away from Jesus. But Jesus called them and said, permit the children to come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I've heard a lot of people that say they died and went to hell, they told their testimonies and stuff. Some of them I believe, some of them I don't believe, um, but I never heard nobody say they saw babies in hell. Have you? No. Nobody seen no babies in hell. And then, and then uh, I met Mary, Mary Catherine Baxter, a nice, nice lady who wrote The Divine Revelation of Hell. I believe her book. She didn't talk about seeing babies in hell. I had a revelation, a vision of the rapture that we wrote, it's a book in our bookstore, called The Rapture Revelation. I didn't see no babies being left behind. Somebody say Amen. amen. And y'all, let's just think about the natural. There's a word that rhymes with hell that we use on earth. What is it called? Jail. You ever seen a baby in jail? Do do, do they have a baby section in jail? They don't have. So babies don't get arrested. Babies don't get. You're a police officer. Do you charge babies with crimes? Do you write babies tickets? No. There's a certain grace given to babies. Somebody say amen. Yeah. And so baby Christians are well taken care of. Yeah. Man, if you're a baby Christian, you just got saved, or you get saved today, y'all take advantage of that time because all kind of stuff, Curtis, there's been all kinds of signs, wonders, the miracles happening for you, right? But see, you can't get uh, you can't get um, proud, proud and arrogant because that that season is gonna change. <laughs> I can see that little baby right there. She, Aha, I got it made. They feed me. They change my diaper. I don't have to do nothing. But but in a little while, that season's going to change. Yeah. There's a scripture in the Bible says that by now you ought to be what? You ought to be grown up. You ought to be mature. So, so when you get born again and we're talking about how I know I'm born again. It doesn't mean that everything falls off at one time, but it should mean that now you are making progress out of darkness into the light. Me and my son, we did a whatever show. It's up on Spotify. Y'all should go listen to it. And now we're tweaking our whole radio station and everything for the new believer, the person that got saved one, second year, or the baby Christian. And the one thing we talked about was profanity. After, you know, after you get saved, after you get saved, that's a great sign. After you get saved. So one of the things that happens after you get saved is you start noticing stuff, and it's not external. It's not somebody there going, ooh, you said a cuss word. No, it's when you truly get born again at that moment, now you start walking toward the light out of darkness, And now you used to say uh, all kind of words and MF for this and M L for that. And then you said MF for this and then you go, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Mm -hmm. Nobody outside you because you got born again. Come on, somebody. When you get born again, you receive Christ on the inside. And Christ is on the inside of you saying, hey, we don't have to condemn you about nothing. Somebody say Amen. See, the people with the lifestyle, they come over here and they like, do do y'all accept gay people y'all love? What's the answer, church? Yes, we love everybody. They're waiting to be condemned so they can storm out while I'm preaching. I'm not going to condemn you. Somebody say amen. Because when I was fornicating, didn't nobody condemn me. Somebody say amen. And when folks was in adultery, didn't nobody condemn them. And when some of y'all was drinking and smoking weed, didn't nobody condemn you. When you was going to the club, backing that thing up, didn't nobody condemn you. But when you truly get saved, you don't need nobody to condemn you. No way. Because you got to umpire your soul on the inside calling foul, strike, stop, you start making progress out of darkness. So it was so funny the show we talked about, we talked about substituting cuss words. Because part of the, part of the coming out of the cussing is you start substituting cuss words. <laughs> I want to hear that bull jive. <laughs> I heard all that bull junk you was talking, right? All that stuff. But even when you get when you get further along, cause I used to say crap all the time, dinner jam. But y'all, a few months ago I said crap and the Lord said, don't say that no more. Cause I'm making progress. Somebody say amen. amen. Is this good for real? Amen. So one of the proofs that you truly got saved is your grandma ain't got to tell you to stop cussing, your friends ain't got to tell you, but like it, it's, it's something on the inside. Somebody say amen. Who's who's experienced some of that? So what should the babes do? If you just got saved, y'all, man, you know, you coming out of something. Somebody say amen. And we'd have had all kinds of people come out of something you we were a part of a church. I was on staff. This guy came in. He was transgender. He had on a skirt. He wore makeup, full makeup, but he still had a beard and mustache. It was weird. It just was weird. <laughs> but we loved on that brother. I personally loved on him, talked to him, and he gave his life to Jesus Christ. Now, my wife is a witness. Over time, he, he stopped wearing high heels. Nobody messed with him. Stop wearing high heels. Is this true? took the makeup off. hello? See yo, yo, we don't have to rule nobody with no big stick. Come on somebody, the truth is, you shouldn't be looking like that, dressing like that, but the grace is, Jesus will accept you, he'll forgive you, and he will give you time. Now that's just the truth. Cause I don't care how holy we preach, how hard we preach against sin! How hard you condemn sin in other people! Every last one of you who are say, "No," it took you some time to come out of some stuff. That's why we have a pornography class in the church. We have one for women and one for men. Is that true? Because sometimes church people, saved people, still sneak on Pornhub. Come on, somebody! Sometimes they still looking at something on TikTok they don't need to be looking at. Somebody say amen. Because ain't no man in here has seen that one where they go, if your, if your girlfriend really loved you, she would show you pics like this on TikTok. Ain't nobody ever seen that one? Oh, yeah. That's why I turn my TikTok Oh, I can't watch that? I'm a pastor. I knew I'd get your attention. Everybody's sitting there smiling. Just look straight ahead. I know you've seen it too. (laughs) Somebody say amen. But one of the proofs that you really get born again is that when that stuff come up, it ain't about who in the room that can see it. It's about God saying, now you know you need to turn that off. I can't get nobody in here with no... (laughs) Number two, I know I have eternal life. I know I've gotten saved according to 1 John. Because I want to keep his commandments. Do I always do it perfectly? No. 1 John 2, 3 through 5 says, we know that we have come to know him if we do what? Obey his commands. Listen to this. Now this is so clear, y'all. The man or woman who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar. <laughs> do y'all see this? Don't he even want to do what he said. We got people marching in prayer for the right not to do what he said. No, man. <laughs> you can't be saying like that now. Can you imagine adulterers marching for their rights? <laughs> no, man. No. And people that committed adultery, there might be some people in here And we're not condemning you. You can get saved, you can get born again, you can get forgiven, but y'all, that's pride, y'all. And you can't get grace in pride. You got to get grace through humility because grace is something I don't. Let me go straight on you. How many of y'all remember Tookie Williams? Oh, man, I'm I'm, I'm out of time. Okay, I'll I'll make this last point and then we'll, we'll close. Y'all, I I believe if if I had been his lawyer, I could have got him them not to execute him. But Tookie Williams, y'all, he appealed for clemency. Clemency is grace and mercy. Clemency says, give me something I don't deserve. At the same time, he said, I'm not going to apologize to anybody. Didn't he say that? I I owe nobody an apology because I didn't kill anyone. He said, "I, I will not apologize to any family. Okay, so you didn't kill nobody but you started the Crips. Did you start the Crips? Well, yeah, okay, so the Crips done killed a lot of people, right? Do you have an apology for that? Mm Mm-mm. So y'all, he couldn't get what he didn't deserve because he said he deserved justice. You see? If he'd have said, "Yo, I did this, I apologize, and you know, I should have never did nothing like this, And I I want to apologize to all the parents and stuff. Now you can get grace. Somebody say amen. But if you say I didn't do nothing wrong, if you say I'm doing right, what do you need grace and clemency for? And that's what so many people try to do in life. I'm as good as the next man. I'm as good as this one or that one. I say, but do do you know Jill? Oh, yeah. Have you accepted Jesus? Yeah. I said, what do you need Jesus for? And then I asked him this, Pat, have you ever done anything that deserves hell? Do you know what 90% of people tell me? No. So if you've never done anything that deserves hell, what are you being saved from? What did Jesus have to die for? And y'all, you know, almost everybody in America feel like they're right. They haven't done anything to hurt anybody else. They haven't done anything that deserves hell or, or eternity in him. But the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, Romans six twenty three. But the gift of God is eternal life. Oh, I'm out of time. I don't want to keep you too long. Every head bowed, every eye closed.